Well, I want to tell you that my, uh, my second favorite holiday of the year is coming up. Christmas. It's not my favorite. It's my second favorite. My favorite's Easter, I'll tell you that. My second favorite is Christmas. And it's not because of all the money we spend and all the decorations we do. Uh, we still have more to put up today and all week until the 25th. Anyway, we don't ever get ours done until almost Christmas, and then we start taking them down about January 20th or something. Anyhow, but all that stuff's part of it, isn't it? But that's not really what it's about. What I want to do this year is something I've done before, is to work through the book of Luke, just the stories, some of the stories from the book of Luke about Jesus and who he is. Really pretty basic stuff, but I think it's good to sometimes, what, go back to the basics. Uh, When you go to spring training in a sport, you go uh, in and they say, this is a baseball. And you kind of go, well, these kids know baseball, don't they? Well, yeah, but you got to start and remind yourself. I think sometimes we got to be reminded of who he is. And so Luke, because he wrote primarily to a Greek audience, he includes some more details that, that might not have been necessary if he was writing to a Hebrew audience or a Jewish audience because they weren't necessarily from the area. So he wants to give them some details. So it has a lot of good, interesting details and things in there. And so let's just jump, you know, they start the story. Where do you begin the story? At the beginning. So let's start right there at the beginning and start right there in verse 26 of chapter 1 of Luke. The Bible says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, as the story opens, what we find are some interesting details that Luke has included to help the, the audience who are reading this letter to understand who he is. And we find out he mentions... An angel. You know, there's only, I was trying to figure out how many angels are mentioned in the Bible. Have you ever thought about that? How many angels are named in the Bible? There's actually four. One of them is uh, uh, Lucifer. He's a fallen angel, if you don't remember. And then there's another one that's a fallen angel. And then you've got two that are named that are angels. Uh, Gabriel is one of them. And he speaks and says, this guy's coming. This angel has come because I've got a word for you. I've got a a message for you. I've got a story for you. But notice where they went to. Did you see the place they arrived? Some of you are going, yeah, Galilee. What's the big deal? I want you to understand something about the location because it's kind of important. It tells us a little about about who Mary and Joseph likely were. If you remember, uh, recently we just worked through a book called Ezra. And dealt with the people of God coming back from captivity about 400 or so years before the birth of Christ, between four or 500 years before Christ. And they came back to the promised land. Do you remember where they came back to? They came back to Jerusalem. Why did they come back to Jerusalem? Because they were of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. They came back to their hometowns, their homeland. They came back to that place. But who lived up in the north? And Nazareth, by the way, is about a 90-mile walk from Jerusalem. It's a long way. Who lived up there? Well, you remember 100 years or so before the people of God in the southern part of the kingdom were taken into captivity, the northern tribes were attacked, they were decimated, they were scattered to the winds, and the land became mixed with other people. You would mow them as the Samaritans uh, in the New Testament. But here we are in this land. Now, why in the world were these two individuals, especially this one in their story, Mary, why was she living all the way up there? 
I've pondered this one for about 30 years at this point because I want to know the answer. And I've done some research. There's been some scholarly work on it. And I've done my own work on it, which wasn't so scholarly. But I went to looking and found, and what it seems to have had happened is when the people of God came back in the days of Ezra and then Nehemiah, they, they populated that area around Jerusalem within a three-day walk, basically. And, and they lived in that region. But somehow over the 400-year period, people got moved to different parts of the land. My suspicion is this. They were zealous about the things of God. They knew that God had given them the promised land, which included all of that region up around the Galilee, those highlands where Nazareth is located today. And they went and moved there to possess the land. Now, if you've been watching the news any lately, you know our Jewish friends continue to do exactly the same thing, don't they? They move into the West Bank territories. They've moved into Gaza at one point. Then they moved out of Gaza. I suspect we're going to see them do some moving back into Gaza over the next few years. That's my prediction, not a prophecy, but I think you'll see that. And they're up there living in this area, and an angel shows up and speaks to this woman and says, uh, greetings. Ladies, any of you uh, have any angels show up in your house lately? Can you imagine? Now, here she is, probably 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. She's young. But she was a woman, and we understand what that means. But they were sitting there, and Abraham shows up and speaks to her and says, Greetings, O favored one. Now, don't read too much into that. Don't say, Oh, well, she was co with God. We're not Catholic, okay? We're not going down that road. But she did have a special place in the scriptures, right? She has a special responsibility. And Gabriel has come and spoken to her. And ultimately why he chose her is not an answer we're going to come up with today. But we can say this. God's sovereignty is moving in the moment. But her response is very human. Look at that. But she was what? Greatly troubled. (laughs) What in the world's going on to me? Who is this talking to me? Why am he talking to me? Y'all with me? Ladies, y'all with me? If it was you, can you imagine? You're sitting in that moment. How would you respond? You wouldn't jump up and down and say, Yay, an angel's here. You'd be going, Oh my goodness. What's going to happen? So the next step is this. God speaks with a thousand thoughts racing in her mind. Remember, she's fully human. She was not immaculately conceived, as the Catholics would say. By the way, they didn't believe that till the 1800s. They came up with that one on their own, oddly enough. But she hears the angel speak and says this. Do not be afraid. Yeah, right. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have what? Found favor with God. And behold, you're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Boy, there's a lot to unpack in that passage, isn't there? You go, man. How do you even remember what he said, much less how do we understand it? But there's some things he told her. He, he, he gave her the who. She said, this is, he said, this is coming from God. This is, this is a word of you from the Lord. He has something for your life. Don't be afraid. Oh, when God works in our lives, we shouldn't be what? Afraid. We make wonder. We may have concerns. We may not understand, but we don't have to be what? Afraid. And she said, she hears a surprise. The what? You're going to conceive in your womb. Now, sometimes we like to think that people in the ancient world didn't understand how 
physiology worked, and this isn't a place for me to explain any of those details, moms and dads. That's up to you and your kids to explain that. But we understand what happens, has to happen to create a child. And she knows that that has never happened in her life. This is not possible for her. How is this going to happen to me? How can I be with child? This is the what, the surprise. And then we find out the why. She's going to conceive one that's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the most high. He's going to hold the throne of David. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom would never end. Can I tell you the theological description of this whole thing is this. Wow. Ladies, if you were in that shoe, what would you do? (gasps) See, in their day, when a woman became pregnant and wasn't married, Sometimes they would stone those women. Did you know that? This is a big deal going on here. And she is going, oh my goodness, I don't know. But here's what's happening. Here she is, likely an unknown nobody. Can I tell you something? Had Mary not been chosen by God to conceive and carry this child, we would have never heard her name. And two generations after she passed, her family wouldn't have remembered her. But as a name, maybe. But here she is in our story. Through God, he sends a direct message to her through the angel Gabriel, directing her life. And we don't have to follow Catholic teaching because we don't. She's not co-equal with God. But we can see this. She was one chosen by God with a task that was chosen for her by God that was going to make a difference in her life and, praise God, in our lives. He's working. She would be a participant in the most amazing work of God on this earth. And contribute to our lives. Now, if you were Mary and all of this has just happened, what's the response? I think if if I were her, and I'm, I'm not, I would say, what in the world are you talking about? How can this happen? How could, uh, 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 me? What, what? Y'all with me? That's where I'd be. Look at verse 34. Mary seeks some clarification. Mary said to the angel, uh, how can this be? How will this be? I'm a virgin. And some people like to say, oh, well, Mary wasn't really a virgin. She just didn't understand. No, the scriptures tell us point blank in black and white, in Hebrew, in Greek, in every language has been translated into, she was a virgin. And by the way, that term has not changed meanings in 2000 years. This is going to be something supernatural to happen. But how would you respond if you were her? Would you jump at the opportunity? Yes, I'm excited. Let's go. Uh, I don't know. Would you be a little confused? Would you try to find a place to run and hide? By the way, if you said yes to any of those questions, congratulations, you're fully human. Because that is a typical normal human response But she turns to a practical consideration. She goes, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. It's not possible. You see, you don't have to see doubt in her response. She's not saying, God, you can't do it. Rather, she's saying, I understand how babies are made, and that's never happened. And so how can this happen? This is not possible in my life. But I also think her response reveals a desire to understand, God, how can you do this in my situation? How can you accomplish this for me in my life? See, for God to accomplish what he said, 
Something had to happen that had never happened to her or in human history to accomplish this. Fourth, Gabriel then shows the impossible. The angel said to her, hey, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I'm going to tell you something. Free, free, free side note. Scholars have struggled with that phrase for centuries. We're probably not going to solve it today, okay? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. What Gabriel does, he said, I want to show you the possible. I want to show you the impossible. I want to show you what's going to happen here. We must never forget that the Holy Spirit of God did not dwell in the hearts of people in her time. We're blessed. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We know Christ, he comes and lives within us and dwells with us, convicts us of sin, continues to speak to us, right? They didn't have that. So to hear that the Holy Spirit was coming was like, uh uh-oh, what's up? The Holy Spirit only showed up in the Old Testament when there was something special to happen, when there was a special moment. The Holy Spirit, get this, would come to the followers of God. And then, I can't even imagine, don't want to imagine, he left. To hear the Spirit's coming is like, uh uh-oh. This would have seemed strange to her, cryptic even. Now, we're not told the mechanics of the process because really we don't need to know them. But here's what I can tell you is that the God of the heavens and earth and all contained in them and their existence can do whatever he wants to in this moment. He can cause whatever needs to happen to happen. See, God's plan was to work through the life of this young woman to bring forth the Messiah. He was going to work and do what needed to be done. And he, went, and he says, oh, by the way, you know your, your older relative that lives down near Jerusalem? She's old. She's old. She's old. She's pregnant. Now, Mary didn't know this yet, probably, because of the distance of, of, of where they lived in different parts of the country. So she's going, oh, my goodness. And if God can cause a woman who's barren to become pregnant... He can do this too. God's going to work. So at this point in the story, you've heard what God's going to do, what's God's plan. She's heard this and she's going, okay. And she asked the question, got a little clarification. God can do what he wants to do. Oh, yeah, God can do what he wants to do. What's left? What's left? Y'all know the story. She's got to respond. You got to answer, right? You got to say yes or what? No. You got to say, let's go, let's don't go. Which one's it going to be? Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed her. Can I tell you something? That's one of my top. 10 verses in the scriptures. I love that passage because that is the attitude of Mary. That ought to be the attitude of what? Of us. This is God, whatever you want, that's what we want to do. God, wherever you want to lead us, that's what we want you to do. Whatever you have for us, that's what we want. And so with the answer given, the focus shifts to Mary. Now, did she have a choice in the matter? Now, we, we know this is hypothetical because she did say yes. We know that. But did she have a choice? I, I actually believe she did. Uh, from a human perspective, she had to respond and say yes. She could have said no. What would have happened if she said no? God would have chosen someone else to do the process, to take care of this. Don't misunderstand. He wouldn't have said, oh, well, we can't have Jesus. I guess it's over. He's not controlled 
by human response, okay? But she had to respond, and she responded positive. And she says, this is who I am. I'm a servant of the Lord, a servant of the Lord. In fact, you want to get real literal, and this is not kosher in our culture because of our history, but the literal word there is the Greek word doulos. And you literally would translate that as bond servant or slave. In other words, you're the boss, not me. You're the boss, not me. That's the attitude that she had toward God. She says, you're the boss. If this is what you want, then let's do it. I'm with you. Oh, my goodness. What what an amazing attitude to have, right? To say, God, whatever you want, I want to do it. Whatever you want to do, I'm, in, I'm on. Let's go. And talk about a right attitude to have. And she, she said, I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm not going to think highly of myself. She said, she says, I'm a servant. And she said, then she says what? Let it be according to your word. What you say is what I want. Oh, do you see the beauty in the verse? We understand who we are and we understand who he is and what he can do in the moment. So she sets her life on God's pathway, on God's plan. and places her faith in God to lead her forward. And this started when she was a younger child, trusting the Lord somewhere along the way, and now God's doing this. So what do you do with this? Three things. Quick, quick. We can go back out in the cold. Have fun. Number one, God still speaks to us. Do you believe, do you understand and grasp the truth that the God of the universe who spoke to this young girl in Nazareth, this crossroads, backwater, blue collar town, is the same God who speaks to who? To me and to you. He is not silent. He has not left. He has not gone away. He's still here speaking to you and to me. The question isn't, is he speaking? The question is, are we listening? Are we hearing? You know, she's not really all that different from you and me. She was insignificant, lived in an insignificant town. Had she never been a part of this, we would have never known who she was. But God in his infant wisdom said, I'm going to intervene. Have you ever thought about the question of why did God choose her? What made her special? Our Catholic friends developed a new new doctrine in the 1800s that said, oh, it's because she was immaculately conceived. That's why God had to use her. No, that's not the truth. What was unique about her? Can I tell you something? The more I've pondered that question, I've only come up with one answer. And it's this. She lived her life centered on God's ways, making her therefore available for God to use. That truth is true for each one of us if we choose the right decisions in life. God can use us. You're going, oh, you won't carry a baby. It's already been done. Ladies, don't worry about it. Guys, don't worry about it either. It's done, okay? But God is going to work in your life and my life in his way to accomplish his purpose and his plan and his direction. Most of us are never going to be involved in something so grandiose or amazing as what she was in. But God still has plans for us. And he still speaks to us. And he's still calling to us. And he still desires us to walk with him. I suspect that the beginning of this process works in our lives no different than Mary's life. She lived her life under the Lord. And so when the choice of God came for her to say yes or no, she was ready to say yes. In fact, John uh, wrote these words, quoting Jesus. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. 
and they follow me. If you're a child of God here today, can I tell you something? You're a sheep. You're no longer a goat, all right? You're a sheep. And that means the shepherd continues to speak to you in your life and call to you. You're sorry. Some of you are going, well, I haven't heard from him in a long time. That may be because you're not close enough to hear him. It may be because you're not opening your ears to hear him, but he's still speaking. And he wants to speak into your life. To be where God can use us, we have to be listening to his voice. To be led in the things of God. Number two thing I want you to see from this is this. It, it, feel free to ask questions. I don't mean right now. That wasn't an invitation to an open conversation at this moment. I'm talking about your relationship with God. It is okay to ask God questions. Well, I'm afraid to ask him that. I don't know. I don't think he cares about. There's nothing in your life that he doesn't care about. There's nothing in your life he doesn't want to hear from you about. There's nothing in your life you cannot bring up and have a conversation with God about. Feel free to ask questions. Sometimes we go, well, I don't think he cares. Yeah, he does. At times we may think he doesn't really care about us, but he does care. So we need to, when we think we hear the voice of God, you know what? It's okay to ask questions. They may even be off the wall questions. They, you may say that may be even a, a irrelevant question, but you know what? Mary, Mary didn't know what to do here. I mean, she, she never had a kid before. She had never been married before. She didn't understand why God was wanting to do this. She doesn't, what, what, why would you not ask questions? The older I've gotten, the more I'm comfortable asking questions. People say things, I sometimes go, what in the world are you talking about? They go, weren't you listening? I go, I was listening, but I wasn't understanding, okay? It's okay to ask questions. Mary honestly didn't know how she could become pregnant with an angel mentioned this whole situation. And that didn't show a lack of faith. It just showed a lack of understanding of how God could do that if she didn't have a man in her life. Oh, well, she did have a man in her life, but they hadn't been doing what had to happen to have a... But, you know, so she, this is, why would you not even ask the question? I would ask you the same question. Why won't you ask the questions of God so he can speak and answer? You remember Jesus had a brother, younger brother named James. He wrote a little book. He said this, if any of you lacks wisdom, oh, guilty, guilty. All of us get to the point in life, don't we? We don't have wisdom. We don't know what to do. We don't know the direction. We don't know what's next. We don't know. What, I don't understand. If any of you lacks wisdom, go ask social media. They'll give you the answers that you need. Oh, my goodness. I've been watching uh, some of the social media conversation about certain coaches in the country right now because football season's ending. You go, everybody's an expert. But I think most of them are idiots, you know. But they're out there just telling and talking. And you just kind of sit back and just laugh. Like, oh, you got to be kidding. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask who? God. Why? God can speak to you. God will speak to you. God is speaking to you. Are you listening? He says, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask how? In faith, God, I believe that you can give this answer. God, I believe you can move in this situation. I believe you have a solution to this with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. We don't want to be those people blown around by the wind, do we? We want to be the ones listening to the voice of God moving forward. And then we have to make a choice. And this is the way it always is. When God opens a door for you, when God opens a window for you, when God opens an escape hatch for you, whatever it is, okay, we had to choose, don't we? We have to choose to what? Follow his way. To follow God's way. 
There's a truth found in that last verse of our passage where Mary said this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She says, what you want is what I want. Her words ought to be our words. Her attitude ought to be our attitude. You see, people, God surely speaks to all of us as his children. And he's ready to answer any question you have. And he's ready to work with you and walk with you and talk with you and carry you through. And there's no reason then not to follow his way. I believe Mary had a choice to make. It wasn't a foregone conclusion she was going to be in the role. I think other women could have filled that role. But her willingness to say yes to God made the difference. And friend, the same answer by you to the holy call of God makes a difference in your life. See, it always comes back to that, doesn't it? It always comes back to us. Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right there in the second sentence, whoever what? Follows. Sometimes we struggle with following, don't we? We go, well, if I follow his direction, what, 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 what would he do? Will he make me go to Bolivia, Peru, Paraguay, like our video this morning for international missions? What, can I tell you something? If he takes you there, there's no better place to be. But I don't want to go there. There again, it's this idea of becoming a servant of the Lord. This is, God, whatever you want from me is what I want because your wisdom is greater than my wisdom. Your thoughts are greater than my thoughts. Your plans are better than my plans to say yes to God. Some of you this morning are going, I, I know I need to make a, a step forward to make, make a decision, to make a public decision for Christ. I, but man, there's somebody going to laugh at me or they're going to look at me and go, they're going to judge me. They're going to say, well, I'm not wearing the right clothes. I'm not doing the right thing. I'm not. We're here for an audience of one. The Lord's our audience in our lives. It all begins with that relationship with Christ, and then it goes from there into the walk with Him. Are you walking with Him? Are you being with Him? Are you listening to Him? Are you obeying Him? Father God, we thank You so much for the day of giving us together for worship. We thank You for uh, these old story of Mary and, and Joseph and all the others that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And our prayer, God, is that we would look at these stories and be reminded that they were people just like us and that you choose to work in their lives and you choose to work in our lives. We pray your blessing on these next few moments. Father, we pray for those who need to make some type of decision public. We give them that room to do that. And we want to encourage them and love them through that. Whether we pray your blessing as we sing, as we respond, as we see your hand. In Jesus' name. Amen.